0: I want to jump right into this morning's lesson, our theme verse for 2024 in Sunday School. We always have a theme verse. I will strive to have us quote this every Sunday when we meet, first thing. I want you to, if you can read it or turn to your Bible, Um, last week's lesson, this week's lesson, and Lord willing, the next two weeks' lessons to come are birthed from this verse. Uh, Dan Streeter used this verse in preaching from the pew, and it so hit a home in my heart that I just thought, I've got to study this. I've got to see what in the world this truly means. And all of the facets and the doors that have been opened spiritually that are tucked into this verse, I can't wait that we will study this and share this together and most of all put it into practice. So say with me, let's read it together. Ready? Acts 20, 24. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I may finish my course with joy, and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. You aren't going to believe how this is going to unfold. We're not going to get to that till about three-quarters into this lesson, and it's all going to tie in together. I encourage you to get a pen out and write down the scripture verses that we're going to go over today because it's like uh, those of you who purl or crochet, you know how your first stitch plays a part into the next and so on and so on. These scripture verses are all interwoven into one facet of this truth that we're going to study. So with that in mind, thinking about last week's lesson, can you recall that? Can you recall that? Last week's lesson? Well, think about your cookie. Your cookie said, I am loved. Did you do your homework? Your homework was every morning when your your feet touched the floor get in touch with your father, and your homework was to say this out loud, I am loved. I am loved. I am loved. With that in mind, this now goes on to this truth we're going to talk about. But before we do, I want to say, hallelujah, it's February. Look at the sunshine in. It's February. A friend sent this to me. No, Trina sent this to me in regards to January. You know, remember that cold, hard, dark month? You know, January, the month that follows Christmas where we strung up lights everywhere in an effort to enjoy light because the light of the world had come and we celebrated all that goodness, and then we slip into January. And it's cold and it's hard and it's dark. We take down the lights and we feel the letdown of January. So here's this poem 30 days hath September, April, June, and November. Unless a leap year is its fate, February has 28. And all the rest have three days more, excepting January, which has 6,184. <laughs> and we all felt that for sure. Well, that long month is behind us. The month of February represents love. So, of course, we are going to focus on the greatest gift in life, love. Your cookie from last week. I am loved. There is nothing better than walking today in love. So... We're going to study in Sunday school God's love. We're going to focus on God's love. God doesn't just say "I love you." You know what God says? "I so <coughs> love you." I love that adverb. "I so love you." John three sixteen. Sometimes uh, when Doug will say "I love you, hun." I will say, describe it. (laughs) Or I will say, tell me how much. And he will say something like this. I love you more than all the grains of sand on every beach. I multiply that times every blade of grass that springs forth. And then I double multiply it to every drop of rain that, wait, wait, wait. I'll get it. I get it. That is so loved. Now, when God says to you and me, child, I so love you, He is not just telling us to observe what He's made in nature. He's not telling us that um, that he, he uses something better. He wants us to see His artistry and what He has done and what He has made. As a matter of fact, He calls us to that in the fact that He says, "Look at the heavens." Don't they declare the majesty of God? So he says, look around and observe. Observe what is all around you because it will show my power. It shows my artistry. It shows my my plan. But God doesn't just describe his love by his handiwork. He defines his love by what he gave. And that is what moves us. God so loved Karen and Vivian. God so loved Jan and Julie, and God so loved me that he what? He gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish We were not made to die, dear class. We were made to live and receiving Jesus as our personal Savior. God so loved me that he took care of that greatest need by giving us his son, Isabella. And upon the point of realizing that I'm a sinner and I can do nothing to wash away my sin, it was the shed blood of Jesus that did that. And I can say, oh, dear Father, forgive me. Come into my heart and be my Savior. And at that very moment, well, God's word also says that all of heaven rejoices over one lost sinner. I, I'm excited. I hope God does a replay on, on the point where Kathy asked Jesus in her heart, and I get to see all the, how all the, all the angels rejoice. Because I know they often roll their eyes at me and go, <laughs> I cannot believe this girl, you know. But, but at that point at salvation, they all applauded. They were all so excited at each of us when we receive Jesus Christ personally. God so loved, he so loved, that he gave. So not only are we so loved, but nothing can separate us from that love. Nothing. Romans 8, 38 and 39, a a couple set of verses that I'd like you to review this week. Ready? Nothing separates me from God's love. Neither death, Yea, though I walk through the valley of death, as hard as that is, you will never leave us. Not death, not life, not angels, not principalities. This is all from Romans 8, 38 and 39. Principalities, what is that? That's the powers that are set up in the world. Um, No matter who gets elected this November, no matter who sits in the White House, they cannot separate me from the love of God. Powers, nor things present, nor things to come, neither height nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate you and me from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we are so loved, but what does this tell me that His love will never leave? It so secures you and me. We live with such outward insecurity day by day, and God says, Child, You are not meant to put your security in those outward things. Put your security in me. I so love you. Nothing will ever separate my love from you. So did you tell yourself this morning, I'm loved? I hope you did. That love will never grow cold. It will never grow apathetic, and it will never leave. I'm secure. So God loves you and me. And if that were not enough, Kathy... Oh, Kathy's going to be traveling also, along with Leslie... She's leaving at the end of the month. She just got home. She's going to be traveling again at the end of the month. And praise the Lord, it's sharing her time with children, which is a beautiful thing, and grandchildren. Um, I'm secure. God loves me. If that were not enough, now, here we're getting into some really good February stuff. Ready? God says, let me fill you with my love. Let me fill you with my love. Because nothing is sweeter than walking in love today. God wants you to walk filled in his love today. Turn to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. And verses uh, 16 through 19. Ephesians 3. I memorized a big part of this chapter a long time ago when I really needed to know the love of God because life was hard. Ephesians 3, 16. Let's start at 16. Ready? That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit In the inner man, what I just talked to you about, upon salvation, God's spirit indwells us. God's spirit is the gift from God. God is love. Jesus is love. The Holy Spirit is love. They are the three-in-one trinity. And the spirit of God indwells us at salvation in that God-made place that God made for his spirit to dwell. We were never to live apart from God. Never. Sin separated me. And then God provided his plan of salvation. So at salvation, that spirit indwells, and look what happens, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might, how? By his spirit in you, in the inner man, that Christ may dwell. How I love the word dwell. Dwell is sitting in your jammies by the fire. Dwell is comfortable. Dwell. Dwell. That he, that Christ may dwell in your hearts, dwell in your hearts by faith that ye being rooted and grounded in what? In love. See, you're secure. You're rooted and grounded in love because the very spirit of God indwells you, and it is his job to strengthen you and me. And then it gets good. Now, here's here's where it's really getting sweet may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height, and to know, circle it in your Bible, to know the love of Christ, which passes what? Knowledge. He says, child, I don't want you to just know about me. I, don't, I want it to be more than a head knowledge. I want you to experience my love that fills you and enables you and strengthens you that he would grant you. He's granted it to you, that you might know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that ye might be, circle it, filled with all the fullness of God. Wow. That ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. We have a visual aid for this verse. It is your doily cookie. It's your doily heart. These are made from the, um, you know, the dollar store doilies that you get and fold it in. Go on YouTube or Pinterest or whatever. A really easy fold to this heart that ye might be filled. Our hearts were designed to hold God's love. They were meant to be filled to the fullest with God's love. Now when we get to heaven, not someday, but I mean right today on this February 2024, that ye might be filled with God's love. So here's the first accountability question for this morning. This heart is holding your sugar cookie that says joy, 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 okay? This is what is in your heart. How? I'm glad you asked. Let me ask you right now, this morning, what is your heart holding this morning? What is your heart holding this morning? It was made to hold, to be filled with the love of God, with the love of God. But what is your heart holding right now? Burdens? Questions? Hurts? Responsibilities? Responsibilities? Apathy, the stuff you're going to do this afternoon. (laughs) Our heart has the capacity to hold so much. But is it full, is it holding the love of God? David pens, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. See, the Holy Spirit resides in that God-made place And says Kathy, there's certain things you need to put in your heart every day for you to know that you can walk filled with God's love today. The heart was meant to be filled with God's love, but it gets filled up with so much other stuff. Do you agree with me? Yeah. The heart gets heavy. The heart gets broken. The heart gets hurt. Well, the big accountability question is, Check out what's in your heart. Make this a checkpoint every single day. David also prayed, create. This is part of my prayer every morning. Oh, Father, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Your Holy Spirit lives inside of me to renew me every day because of all the stuff that we deal with every day. Turn to your Bibles to the next Very important verse, Proverbs 4.23, or write it down. Because our heart was meant to be filled with God's love, but it gets filled up on so much other stuff, Proverbs 4.23 says, guard. The word literally means, uh, it says keep, but it means guard, okay? Keep, if you look at the original, it can be translated and should be translated in a more powerful word that we understand. Guard your heart With all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. When I asked you what's in your heart this morning, it is what you will live in today. So check out what's in your heart and then learn to guard it. There are certain things that we're going to get into that God says, that doesn't belong in your heart. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable unto thee, O Lord. What's in your heart? And it gets filled with all the wrong stuff, and we wonder, I don't feel the love of God. Well, it's good you feel that, because that feeling is the best indicator that the Holy Spirit is wanting to teach you how to deal with it. We're going to get into that. Um, Matter of fact, when God's word says, guard your heart, Kathy, my first response, spiritual response, is this, pray. 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 Ask the Lord to be filled with his love today. Ask him. This morning as a class, I want us as a class to stop and pray right now before we take all these wonderful things that we're going to talk about in a heart that's filled with God's love on a daily basis. And the first thing is ask. Ask and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Would you pray with me right now and simply ask God to fill your heart today with his love. And then we're going to go into some YBHs. Yeah, but how? Because that's the practicality part of this wonderful gift that you and I were meant to live with every day. Father in heaven, you would fill my heart with your love. God, take me past knowing you and knowing about you and take me past a form of godliness. God, I want to taste the fullness of your love. I want to walk today, all day long, in love, your love. Father, I pray for each of these dear ladies. As they are asking, God, we're asking, we're seeking, and we're knocking. Reveal to us anything that is hindering each of us from being filled with your love. For the purpose of you supplying what you have promised. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I want you to go back to verse 29 of um, Ephesians. Ephesians 3. I'm sorry, verse 20. A heart that was made to be filled with God's love. How do I do that? How do I do that? Look at verse 20. First of all, you don't. I don't. God does. It is the work of God. Look at verse 20. Now unto him that is able to do. God does the doing. God does the doing, and it's in accordance to, now Now think with me, it's in accordance to the power that worketh in us. What power do you have that's inside of you, class? It's Holy Spirit power. As a born-again child of God, you have a power in you that is from God's spirit. So now look at this verse again. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. What did we just ask God to do? God, fill me with your love. Reveal anything in me that is is taking me away from that. Unto him that is able to do it. But it's according to the power that worketh in you and me. What does that mean? God's made available everything you and I need to have a heart filled with love, but it's according to the power that worketh in you. In other words, I have God's power in me, but it's still according to me. It's me choice. It's your choice. I have the power to make sugar cookies. It's a fun thing. I have the power to make sugar cookies. I have an oven, I have the ingredients, I have uh, have an airbrush gun that I have so much fun with. I have the time, but I still have to choose to use it to apply it, what I've been given, in order to experience the delicious taste and sweetness of this sugar cookie. Dear class, we've been given everything we need for life and godliness. God has made it all available through the spirit, through his spirit, which is love, that lives inside of you and me. What hinders me from living filled with God's love today? It's simply me, and let me show this to you from scripture. Turn to Galatians 5. Galatians 5. And verse number 16 through 18. It was in my Bible this morning. (laughs) Galatians 5, verse 16. This I say then, walk in the spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the spirit you're not under the law, the law of sinful flesh. You see, before I knew Christ as my Savior, I didn't have a choice of anything. I just simply did what Kathy felt she should do. God's Word says there's a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof is the way of death. And that's how we are until God's spirit teaches us otherwise until we have the power of God through his spirit in our life and we begin to choose. How do we begin to choose? Well, it goes, if you think about this again now, the flesh lusteth against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary, the one to the other. So there abides in us always this conflict. I have old Kathy, old nature Kathy, and I have new nature, born again, child of God, empowered by God's spirit, Kathy who's going to win? The one I feed the most. All right. Um, I don't want to get off onto that because I do want to. Oh, so what hinders us from living filled with God's love today? What hinders me? Uh, look now in Galatians six 6, chapter 8. For he that soweth to his flesh, okay, that's the feeding. For he that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. That means death. But he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. So God says, choose me. Choose me. It's what the spirit of God continually whispers. Kathy, choose me. Don't choose yourself. Don't choose your feelings. Don't choose a form of religion. Don't choose your anger. I want you to go past all that. I want you to choose me. I want it to be the love of Christ, experiencing walking filled up with his love all day long. And my little childlike faith whines, yeah, but how? (laughs) And your little childlike faith whines, yeah, but how? It's so beautiful because God's word says, let me teach you. Let me teach you how. Turn to Galatians 5.22. Galatians 5.22. You know it as the fruit of the Spirit chapter. Oh, the fruit of the Spirit? Where is where is the evidence of the Spirit, girls? In you and in me. Here is the evidence that the Spirit of God indwells you. The evidence, the fruit of the Spirit is, tell me. Oh. You don't convince me. It's February. The fruit, the evidence of the Spirit of God that is indwelling you is what? Love. Love. And and the very first facet of that beautiful love that we get to walk in every day, that we get to taste every day, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. What's the very first facet of that love? Because actually the fruit of the Spirit is love. The evidence of that love, the very first one mentioned is what? Joy. 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 Here's the next accountability question. Did you live with joy yesterday on Saturday? Did you live with joy? It's airbrushed on your cookie. Joy. And most of you think, well, I'm I'm pretty happy. (coughs) Or sometimes I'm happy. No. Happy is connected to happenings. Joy is totally independent from happenings. Joy is the byproduct of obedience to God's word every single time. God God says, child, choose me, choose me. There's something I want to fill you with. I want you to taste this. I want you to experience it. Choose me. And when I live in obedience to what God's word says, God fills me with his joy. Do you know know God makes it possible to be in a horrible time and be filled with joy? That is only from God. God supplies his joy. If I'm not full of God's love, God's spirit says, let me teach you. David said, Teach me thy way, O Lord. I will, it's a matter of my choice, it's my will, I will walk in thy truth. Unite our hearts. See, it all goes back. It all fits together. So what I need to be taught links me to our theme verse. Now we're getting to it. All righty? And it instructs me for the times that I am not filled with joy. I want you to turn to your Bibles now to Acts 20, 24. Here we're going to get into some YBH, yeah, but how, when I'm not filled with joy, when I'm not experienced walking in love and being filled with God's love. In Acts 20, 24, God's word says, Paul is writing, but none of these things move me. None of these things move me. We're going to look at what what didn't move Paul. It was an amazing, um, we're going to go back up to what didn't move him. When, when Dan was presenting this, I thought, what's, what's Paul talking about? What things didn't move him uh, down in verse 24? You know what didn't move him? Go back up to verse 16. For Paul had determined to sail by Ephesus because he would not spend the time in Asia, for he hasted, he hurried, if it were possible for him to be at Jerusalem the day of Pentecost. Now get this, girls, because we've all been here. Have you ever really wanted something if it were possible? Do you want something if it were possible? And, and, and Paul, he was wanting a good thing. He was wanting a good thing. Lord, and, and what did he do? He was hastening. He was hurrying. Did you hurry last week? Of course you hurried. Of course you were hastening. Of course you were praying over wanting a good thing. How do we hurry How do we pray for something we want, and it's not happening? How do we experience God's joy? Because this is a daily situation in our lives. Um, We've all been there. If we don't know what to do with our wantings and our hurrying, if we don't know what to do with it, if we don't take God's way in what I want and what I am rushing through, if I don't take God's word, and God's way. I am filled with frustration and my joy is long gone. It's leaked away. Do you know why? I've stepped off of the path of life. There is a way that seemeth right. And some way and some in some reasoning of Kathy, I've stepped away from the way God tells me to hurry and the way God tells me to want. Do you remember that series of lessons we had on wanting and on making this day? Oh, it was beautiful. It was so good for my heart. And this does tie into it, if you have reference points from that teaching. But Paul says, no, I'm, I'm wanting this. I want to be in Jerusalem because it's Pentecost. It's very special. And, and I'm hurrying. And Paul never lost his joy in his hurry." or in his wanting, because he did it according to God's will. One of the things I pray as I'm hurrying is this, and you've heard me say this before. It's a catechism. Lord, put some holy in my hurry. Lord, put some holy in my hurry. Because hurrying immediately is going to take you into a wrong tone, a wrong response, a wrong reaction, and there, there goes my joy. Next week, we're going to look at some people who, put, who didn't put holy in their hurry and the mess that happened um but now I don't want to get into that cuz I want to finish this up. So, Paul Hasted, he hurried and he never lost his joy. How do you hurry on the path of life and not lose your joy? Okay, now turn to Hebrews 12:1. I've got you going in your Bible a lot today or at least write these down. Because God tells me right here how to hurry, how to hurry and not lose his joy. Ready? You're going to recognize it. And let us run with patience. Oh. See, God never tells us not to run. He knew that, a matter of fact, he calls this life a race, Jen. God says, no, I've got something for you to add to your run that's going to keep you in the love of Christ with all my joy. Add this to it. So let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Well, Run with patience, really? I remember the first time I read this, the children were all little, you know, the, the, the little babies, three and two years, and uh, and the needs and the burdens and blah, blah, blah. And I was in my Bible in desperation because I was exhausted in the run, and I was fearful in the run. I fearful of everything from the girls' convulsions to Clint's Down syndrome. How do I do this? Well, Kathy, you don't. But I'll teach you. And I'll teach you my patience. When I read Let Us Run With Patience, it's like I put my Bible in Down and said, really? <laughs> really? And God says, oh, child, it's the thing that's going to save you. It's the thing that's going to restore your joy. Let me teach you. Now, running with patience, where do we get patience? It's not in Kathy. My patience runs out very quickly. Where do we get patience? Now, girls, link this back to what we've been talking about. It should be ringing a bell. Now, the fruit of the Spirit, the evidence of the Spirit, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, long-suffering. It is the fruit of God's Spirit God knows it's not in us. He says, but I have more than enough to supply you for your day, for whatever is in your day. Not only will I teach you how to run with patience, but it's going to keep your joy where it's supposed to be, full in your heart. But you've got to choose it. Colossians 1.11. Here's a great reference verse. Strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all, ready? patience, and long-suffering with joyfulness. That encapsulates it right there. Colossians 1.11, strengthened with all might. Because when you're running in frustration, the first thing you keep telling yourself in your head is, I can't do this. I can't go on. I can't deal with this. It's all this verbiage that comes from my flesh, and God says, wait, 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 wait. I've got a way for you to run this, It's with my patience, and I'm going to keep you full of joy, and you're going to see what I can do in you. matter of fact, Paul got so excited about this. He says, you know what? I glory in my tribulation that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Get excited about what's going to happen this day that's going to cause you to run and say, I can't wait, Lord. I'm going to add your patience. I choose your patience. Um, Get excited about the thing that you want that is not happening. I'm going to give you an illustration right now because because that's what helps us connect. Paul finished the course of his day, the course of his um, wanting, the course of his relationships, everyone, because he learned to run with patience. Here's some one, two, threes. Stay with me for four minutes here. Here's some ABCs on running with patience. Number one, when frustration begins to build because I'm wanting something and it's not happening or because I'm hastening, I'm hurrying, your joy is long gone. The fact that you feel no joy is a good thing. Okay, it's a good thing. It's like when I touch a hot oven, it's a good thing I feel it, Mm -hmm. because it compels me, (gasps) take your hand away. If I run outdoors and it's cold and sleeting and five below zero without my coat, it's good that I feel the cold, because my body says, Kathy, go back in and put your coat on and your boots and your hat and your scarf and blah, blah, blah. Okay. In the same way, when I feel no joy, when I feel like my joy is gone, it's a good thing. God is saying, child, I'm happy that you are awake unto the fact that you need to be taught. So what do I do? Tell the Lord. Pray. My joy is long gone. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Let me give you a one. When your frustration begins to build, it's a good thing. A under one is draw nigh to God. He'll draw nigh to you. He will never leave you. Remember the beginning of the lesson? We are secure in his love. God knows. God has a plan. B, tell God your need. Casting all your care. When you feel frustrated, pray. It's the one thing that will direct me back into a godly response instead of a Kathy response. When we learn to pray, as soon as we feel that frustration, it can be, it can be, Lord, Lord, help me. I just... I'm at the end of my rope, Lord, supply in me your grace that I need right now. When your teeth are on edge, stop and pray. If you can't stop, if you're driving, if you're dealing with teenagers or little ones or a relationship or something in the, in the workforce, you don't have to stop. Father, you said your grace is sufficient. I need it right now. What it does it stops the natural verbiage and the natural response that is going to naturally come out when you stop to pray. It is the biggest intersector of my flesh that I have, and I have it because of the power of the Holy Spirit inside of me. Pray. And now this afternoon, get excited about some irritation or some person or some situation because you're going to say, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. I counted all joy because, God, you will provide I'm secure in your love. You have a plan. Running with patience is telling God your need, that's B, but it's also acknowledging God is in control. That's C, God is in control. Running, acknowledging God is working in this. I lost Clint in the mall. Clint was probably seven years old. Back, this was back in the days where it was fun to shop at the mall. And um, there was a group of us together, uh, my girls and my mom and my sister and my nieces. And the doctor, our doctor, was in the mall. I was so shocked to see her, Dr. Romani. And so I turned to introduce my mom to our doctor, and we exchanged pleasantries and stuff like that for the space of, Jan, maybe three minutes, okay? And then we were going to go... Have fun at the mall. I turned around, and Clint was gone. He was gone. Now, I always dressed Clint in the brightest colors. I never bought him neutrals. I bought him bright colors so that I could easily spot him, no matter where we are at. And we used to travel a lot. And so, he's gone. And I said to the girls, and I said to my mom, I said to my Clint's gone, gone. He's gone. He's gone. Immediately, I said, pray and run pray and run and we all went in all different directions i found a security guard and i said my son my son is 7 he's he has down syndrome he's he's dressed in orange bright bright orange i can't find him he was just with me. He's gone. The security guard gets out his walkie-talkie, and he starts calling all the neighboring stores, alerting them to look out for this little guy. I was asking total strangers, will you help me find my son? He's little. He's seven. He has on orange clothes. Will you help me find my son? I. There were people all over, and all the time I am praying. I'm praying. Prayer takes the panic out of your rush. I don't care what level it's at. In everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God, and the peace of God will keep your what? Yes, your heart and your mind. I don't have to lose my mind in this panic. Well, 20 minutes later, a store clerk called the security guard and said, I think we found the little boy you're looking for. He was in the bookstore. I don't remember what it was called back then. What is it? It was it? Borders. Borders. Yeah, Borders Books. Borders. And so he's here. So we went racing there. And there's Clint sitting on the floor by Big Bird with his, his little, he always sat like a little Indian, you know, the mobility thing. Six or seven books all around him, having a ball. There was a group of us, total strangers along with the family, that were running in there. And he looks up at the commotion, and he goes, hi, Mama. <laughs> Immediately, I said, thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. I thank the people. I had gospel tracks, because I always do. I said, I am so thankful to my God. Would you read this track? <laughs> I almost kissed the security guard. You know what I mean? It was just like, just like, thank you, Lord. Learn, learn that in the run, in the panic, God is there with me. Ask God to put holy in your hurry. So number one, when your frustration builds because you're hastening, that's a good thing. A, under number one, draw nigh to God. B, tell God your needs. C, acknowledge God is in control. And then D, learn to thank God. Learn to thank God before you get the answer. In everything, in prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Because you know what that does? When you learn to thank God this afternoon, when something goes sideways, thank God. Thank you, God. I'm going to find your enablement in this. Thank God you are in control. Thank God you are working even though I can't see it. Do you know what that activates? It activates your faith. Our little whiny childlike faith is growing, we're developing. I'm putting into practice the very thing that I most desperately need. I need to grow up spiritually. So here's your homework. Number one, if God says no, you will say no to it. That's, if God says yes, you will say yes to it. When you pray and you ask to be filled with God's love, the only thing that hinders that is me. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me. So if God says yes, you say yes to it. If God says no, you say no to it. Often God says, wait, wait, wait. Psalm 25.5, lead me in thy truth. Lead me in thy truth. Teach me. For thou art the God of my salvation, on thee do I wait all the day. Psalm 27, 14, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. If you are hurrying, if you are wanting, it's a good thing because you're going to acknowledge God. You're going to put your faith in action, and you're going to see what God can do in you. Here's your homework. Learn this verse, and share with somebody how God's love and choosing God's way made a difference in a waiting time or a hurried time, right? Share with somebody how God's love and choosing God's way made a difference in a waiting time or a hurried time. And as we open up this unbelievable truth, girls, you just aren't (coughs) going to believe. There's a nugget hidden in this chapter. I didn't even touch on it. That so facilitates everything that we need to live today full of joy and full of God's love. Father in heaven, thank you. You not only birth us with wonderful salvation, but by your grace and for your glory, you grow us. And how I pray this for each of us in this class. In Jesus' name, amen.